Well, I'm excited to be together with my friend, John Townsend today. He's uh, a business consultant. He's a leadership coach. He's a psychologist. He's written over 30 books, selling 10 million copies. Congratulations, including the New York Times bestseller, Boundaries, Leading from Your Gut, Handling Different Difficult People, Different Difficult. And we're going to talk about your new book, called People Fuel today. So John, welcome to the Convene podcast. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be with you and just all the Convene family. Uh, some of my, my really, really best friends are out in that world. Thank you. Well, you've been uh, a very important part of the Convene journey from the early days to today, and we thank you for that. Um, getting right to the point, you work with leaders, we work with leaders, leaders work with people, but sometimes we are overtaxed, overburdened, feeling stressed. Uh, I talked to a gentleman who uh, was essentially couldn't get out of bed one day. He was so uh, full of stress from the decisions and the people and the pressure. So you wrote in your book, People Fuel, about different kinds of people. And I'd love to unpack that because in People Fuel, you talk about a model, seven C's, seven kinds of people. Let's dive in. How, how's the, the first one, coaches? Well, to your point about all the stress, a lot of that has to do with a lot of us are fueling ourselves with the wrong sorts of people or the wrong people at the wrong time. And even though the Bible says we need each other, we've got to make sure that it's the right kind of fuel. So the model of the seven C's starts with the most, I would call it the, the, the most high quality fuel. And we'll go down to the to the, the, the last seven will be stuff that you kind of want to avoid. The first one, um, the highest level of fuel you can get to give you energy and creativity and great mood and great focus is what I call the coaches. Now, coaches is I'm using that, Greg, as a generic word for anybody who is in a, a, a leading or guiding or developing position with us. For example, a convene chair would be a coach, um, a, a, uh, a mentor, a discipler, uh, someone we hire, a, a counselor, uh, a spiritual director, but someone who has three, three components. First thing they have is that they have a subject matter expertise. If you want to get a coach in music, they've got, they're an expert in music, a coach in business, expert in business, a coach in, I don't know, rock climbing, an expert. In, they've got to have, know their the bona fides. Second thing is they know how to coach. Some people that are good at something aren't very good trainers. You know, they just, they don't, they don't know how to take people through a process. And, and a coach needs to know, how do I help person with the goals, the obstacles and this sort of thing? And the third thing is that, and this is my favorite, Greg, they have no personal need for you. They don't need you to be their best friend. I've, I'll have coaches the rest of my life in various aspects of my life. But what I love is when I call one of my coaches, let's say I call my business coach and I say hi on the phone and, and he says hi. I don't spend the, in an hour, I don't spend the first 15 minutes talking about his vacation and how his kids are doing and his health. I say hi, and he says hi, and then I say, then he goes, let's get to it. I mean, he's nice, but he wants to be there for me. He doesn't need me to be a best friend because I pay some of my coaches, and some of my coaches, you know, are just kind of, they do it on a friendship basis. But that's the cool thing is because it's, you can feel kind of healthily selfish about it. This hour is for me and my growth and development. If anything, give us energy, it's that. 
I love it. Second kind of person, a comrade. Talk about those folks. Yeah, I got that term from the military, you know, comrades in arms, comrades in foxholes. That has to do with the people. They're not our mentor, leader, guider people. They're the people we go through life with. For example, a convened group is a bunch of comrades. And there's several characteristics of that. These are people that, A, they are serious about their growth. I mean, they really want to grow and be whatever God said and whatever um, they feel called to do in their own abilities. So they're, they're, they're serious about growth. They're also people who have nothing but grace for you. They would never judge you. They would never condemn you. Even if they disagree, it's all, it's all grace. Thirdly, though, they tell you the truth. And if you're going to make a bad decision or using poor judgment or you're doing something impulsive, they'll say, hey, bro, uh, we got an issue here. To tell you the truth. Fourthly, they're vulnerable. Comrades are vulnerable. They'll, they, they open up and talk about their struggles and their hurts and their hangups just like you do. So there's this mutual, you know, we really know each other at a deep level. Then uh, one of the best thing, parts about a comrade is that they have a structure to the relationship. You can't, a comrade can't be, hey, I'll see you when I see you. That was a great talk. Had a wonderful lunch. Maybe I'll see you because we're all busy. Comrades say, yeah, let's meet at a certain time. That's why convenes great because there's a structure to it. Those are the people that are your army of growth and health. I love it. And there's something you wrote about in your book uh, that that is, I think, pretty cool about comrades. You wrote they're fully involved in their own growth. And don't you love it when you get together with those kind of people? I think it's Romans 12, 2, if I'm not mistaken. But the verse basically says uh, people who are doing well growing are honest with themselves about who they are and they're they're doing the work on themselves right you know they don't sit around and tell you oh this and that they're like oh my gosh i have this issue i read this book i'd love to talk about it what is more motivating greg to your point than someone when you share about your life and challenges and they are they're there for you and then they share about theirs you think you know i'm in a place of Great growth. I, that's why I love Jesus' words in uh, in the Beatitudes, where He said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness; they'll be filled." When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, what you're saying is, growth is not just something I do on Sundays from eleven to twelve. Growth is something I'm into all the time. They hunger and they thirst. Great. Nothing's better than being around a bunch of good comrades. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, going down the list: coaches, comrades. Number three: casuals. Yeah, casual is just our friend friends, our, our social friends, the neighbor that you like, uh, or you both see each other at your kids' soccer games or somebody in, in you know, that you see at church you want to have lunch with. They're nice people and they're kind of a they're kind of an endorphin for you. They're they're positive people. They're people you like to be with. You go have a burger and a beer with them, and it's a good time. But then, you know, that's kind of it because there's not a lot of time for them. But with the, the greatest thing besides the fact they're just nice, positive people to be with is that I believe that your casuals are a farm team for the second seat. They're the farm team for the comrades because you start spending some time with somebody and you go, we've got similar values, similar faith, similar life circumstances. We see each other, see life kind of the same way. I wonder if they'd be interested in diving deeper into personal growth, business growth, emotional growth, relationship growth, and that's how you invite them. So you're always kind of a scanning and observing those those wonderful, casual uh, folks in your life to see, could there be something deeper? 
Yeah. Okay. Let's let's uh, push pause, digress for a minute. I I think this is interesting. I've had this happen three times in uh, checking into convene groups around the country that are new and getting going. And as we go around the room and we say, "Why are you here?" and "What are you looking for from the group?" Three separate occasions, three different states, three kinds of people, three different age groups. I've heard this phrase. I don't have any friends. So I'm looking forward to being in this group. Why do you think there's people in the world that they certainly don't have a coach, they don't have any comrades, and they don't have any casuals? What's going on? What would you say to them? Well, I say the same thing, Greg, and it feels kind of endemic sometimes to me. And, and it's, it tends to be, you see it a lot with high capacity people. People have accomplished a lot in the business world. But Where's the friendships? And there's, I've seen, I've noticed several dynamics. One of them is that um, they have trust issues. Like it's hard to really open up because you can't have a deep friend if you don't open up and talk about struggle. And so for some reason, they learned the trust was a bad thing. And so they kind of keep things on the, on the shallow end and are great. They might have great faith under, you know, great, be an elder of the church and be great at business and nice to their kids, but nobody they're really opening up to. So the trust is one thing. Another thing, is that they have kind of a, a centering on what they do well, which is work. So they're very, very effective, great strategists, great vision people. But the, the relational part, they don't have the skills for it. They have the skills of achievement, but they're not the skills of connection. And the third one is that, unfortunately, some of them um, have learned to be self-sufficient, where they only they get all their needs met by God and the Holy Spirit and the Bible, which we're supposed to do, and then their spouse is the only person they open up to. And then they have Max, their golden retriever, who will lick them because they have the dog. But the problem is their spouse tends to be overwhelmed and says, I, I wish that you would find other people because I can't take all your hurts and your hangups. But they, the self-sufficiency makes them only go to the only human that they can do that. But it's not, not fair to the spouse. So I help them kind of figure out which one of these three roadblocks could be yours as a reason you don't have friends. And one of the watchwords I think I just heard from you uh, as some advice to those people is be more transparent. Yep. When yep. somebody says, how's it going? Uh, and your daughter's on drugs and your son is suicidal, don't say God's, God's in control. Right, right. What you've just then, done then on a mechanics, physics level is said, I don't want the grace of God that comes from people. I only want the grace of God that comes from God. And we ignore the, the hundreds of verses that say, we are the stewards of his manifold grace. We're the delivery system. We're the gas station. And so the person that does that has just said, I'm going to live without fuel. And it's a difficult, difficult life. There's an author you might know. His name is John Townsend, who wrote in his book, How People Grow. It's doubtful that someone can really grow in Christ apart from community. You still believe that, right? Even more than when I wrote it, Greg. Um, what I've noticed is that it's, it's so cool to watch because I look at the longitudinal research about successful people. We all want to be successful. We want our kids to be successful, right? And the longitudinal research, the smart people that make these meta studies, they finally said the number one factor in a successful life, successful parenting, successful relationships, number one factor is the level of attachment you have. And if you have the vulnerable attachments, you're going to have less uh, physical uh, health problems, less mental problems, better career, better relationships. It all comes down. There are other factors, 
but no, nothing takes the place of the relationships, which is all the Bible saying in the first place. Mm. Well, uh, coaches, comrades, casuals, and we're on number four uh, of the seven C's, colleagues. Yeah, we all have to work, don't we? I mean, we're, we're all working stiffs and we love to work most of the time, but we spend a lot of time at work. And one of the best things you can do is to make sure you're around the healthiest people possible. Now, if you're not, if you don't own the business, if you don't, if you don't run the department, you can't always pick the people you're with. But I can tell you the three factors that cause people to be very happy and fulfilled and productive, very productive with, with their colleagues. Number one, they tend to be people who are good at something. I mean, they have their SME, their subject matter expertise, whether it's marketing, finance, sales, administration. Um, but they're good. They, they, they've they paid their price in getting their training. The second thing is that they're also warm relational people. They're not just kind of Mortimer over in his cubby sitting here working on things and not talking to anybody. That's not what culture is about. And we now see how from, from Gallup and Forbes and, and, and Harvard research, how important culture is. As, as you, and I, you and I are both Peter Drucker fans, Greg. Yeah. And when he said, culture will eat strategy for breakfast. He's talking about relationships. It will chew up your strategy. So they've got to be relational people. And the third capacity is they do well on teams. They're not prima donnas. They're not just onesies, twosies. They cooperate, they collaborate, they encourage, they, they flash swords when they need to, but they're good team people. So as much as you have choices of, make sure you've got those three capacities in the people you're coming with. Okay, I've said this before. I love it when I get to work with people who I can be friends with. And I love being the friend of people I work with. Uh, so that's one side of a continuum. The other side of the continuum, I was talking with a 501c3, very prominent leader at one point in time. And I said what I just said to you. And he said to me, I have no idea how to be friends with people I work with. What would you say? All right, well, I'm a why guy, as you are too. So I'd say, how, why would that be? And most of the time there's a story. Uh -huh. And the story is, is something like I got burnt because I made friends with somebody where they took advantage of me because I you know, gave, gave him information, whatever, they exploited me somehow, once bitten, twice shy. And what I'll say is I get that, but well, let's don't generalize to the human race. Um, there's something in you that probably missed some character flaw when that other person, deception, control, narcissism, gaslighting, laziness. And we got to help you work on your people picker because you can absolutely have tremendous friends at work. Don't give up on that dynamic because some wacko person made it worse for you. Learn discernment better. That's why I wrote safe people to say, here's the difference between a safe person and an unsafe person. Mm -hmm. Well, we're closing in. Uh, coaches, comrades, casuals, colleagues, care. We're we're getting down to the side of the thing that causes stress for leaders. Talk about the individuals who are without something they need, and you are the only way they're going to get it. So they suck you dry. Yeah, or somebody said you're the only way, right? Yeah. That's it's a big one. Now we've gone. Now we're at number five out of seven. These are the kind of draining things, but not all things are not all drains are bad. In fact, Jesus told us you got to take care of the poor, and we're we're supposed to serve and help and develop. So, there are people that need us. Anything from our family, our spouse, 
um, uh, the people in our church, if we're leading a church uh, endeavor, our, our, our employees, the people we're developing, and then the, those who are impoverished and like people in, 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 in trafficking or people in third world countries that can't make it. So that care is a norm, but too much care will drain you. What we found out is that there's a great book in, in missiology. I love missions. It's called When Helping Hurts. And, and so I think every business person ought to read it because they talk about how helping is great, but when you don't make people accountable for their own skin in the game and doing their own work, then it becomes, it basically builds entitlement in that person. And it becomes, they, they become very dependent and want more and more and more. So you've got to be a person who has boundaries, even when, in, when you're caring. And it's, it's a, this is a, one of my favorite phrases of a pastor friend of mine said that he said, a, a need is not a calling. And I thought about that for about a week. Because they need me doesn't mean I'm necessarily called to it. So take their core request seriously. Look at my own resources. Do I have time to have bandwidth? But the calling part is God's. And that really takes some pressure off with the care. I'll uh, do a shout out to the people who are listening who might be on uh, 17 boards of directors. It could be that you yes. feel too needed when you really are not. We'll just leave it there. Uh, number, <laughs> six, <laughs> number six, chronics. We're, we're getting to the, the, the difficult people. Um, it's going a little bit dark now. Chronics. That's uh, your heart, people. Yeah, right. Chronics are people that always have a crisis in their life. There's this, as long as you've known them for 20 years, they've either got a kid problem, a marriage problem, a health problem, a money problem. I can't, can't find my niche problem. Or, but they've always got these little, you know, skirmishes going in their life and they never get better. And the, the, th the, the thing about chronics is they're nice people. They're not like evil, dark people. We'll get to that. But they tend to be good hearted people. But here's the problem with them. They have, and I'm being, I'm being charitable when I say this, Greg. They have a zero learning curve. It's a flat learning curve. So they come to you and they want you to have breakfast and mentor them and, and be with them every Saturday morning and tell them how to live their life. And you're working hard because you're a giving leader and you, you know, you give them Bible verses and principles and you pray for them. You give them skills and homework and they leave and they feel great for about four hours because you were their Prozac. They're up and I had Greg Leaf talking to me. I feel great. Prozac lasts about four hours in our bloodstream. And after that, it goes away and they're left with the homework and they just, it's just too much trouble. And they hit their head and make the same mistakes over and over and over again. If you read your Bible, Proverbs is an equivalent term to a fool. A fool's not a bad person, but it's a person who's not learning. And you have to guard your heart, like Proverbs 4 says, with them, because they can, of all the leadership things I've worked with, that's the big number, number six, the chronics is where people will go, I have got to prune back. I am pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and nothing's happening because the chronic has no learning curve. Mm, wow. I imagine there's a lot of people listening who are leaders who might be people who like to help people who have one too many chronics on their team and they're exhausted as the leader and the chronics are not exhausted because the leader keeps fixing everything for them. Yes. Can I give those people a hint or a tip? Yes. yes. Well, listen, I've certainly been in the same situation. Start holding them accountable for homework assignments. Every coaching, mentor, discipling, whatever you want to call it, when they tell you their thing about business or kids or marriage or whatever, give them a homework assignment. And when they come back, 
first thing you say is, how did it go? And if they go, oh, I've been really busy, but I just love being with you. Then you confront them and say, we won't really be continuing unless you start doing these things I'm asking you to do. A certain percentage will go find, find somebody else who's codependent and God bless them. A certain percentage will go busted. I'll start doing it. And that those are the people I would not mind investing in. In my personal world, I uh, was mentoring a person for probably two years and finally cut the cord. Uh, but it happened when my wife said to me on the way out the door one time, how long are you going to keep giving and pouring into this person who does nothing every time you meet? Oh, she was right. And we thank you, Shelly. Yeah. And, and he, this gentleman said, oh my gosh, I really need to meet with you. So classic case of what you just said. Yeah. Please be my Prozac. Well, four hours isn't worth my time. I, I was, I was uh, reluctantly done, but it, when, when I was not meeting with this person the next week, it felt great. Okay, we're on the number seven person, persons, contaminants. We talked about there could be other not so kind words you chose that started with C, but contaminants. Talk about them. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Greg, if you read your Bible, there's people that aren't just misunderstood and aren't just kind of walking circles. There's bad people. We all have our own sin problems. But there's people who have given themselves over to evil, and they have um, really malignant personalities. And you can tell them because they, they are divisive. They want, they want to either control people or hurt people. But you know, when Jesus said to Peter, get away from me, you know, he said, no, he said to Peter, Satan has asked me to divide you guys and sift you like wheat. They divide relationships. They divide families. They divide churches. They divide businesses because they're based on envy. And what they want is what you have. They're not happy until they what you have. And unfortunately, a low percentage of the population is those people, but they exist. And, and they're not like the people you have a long dinner with and you try to negotiate it and understand each other. Once you see that you've got a, a, a contaminant, and I, I list the qualifications in the book, um, what you need is like there's a a rock star named Warren Zevon that um, he's passed away now, but he has a song called Bring Lawyers, Guns, and Money. You don't give them great conversations. You don't be vulnerable. If they prove themselves to be that, you have a responsibility to put the limits on and save your practice, your marriage, your business, your church. Mm -hmm. Speak to the leader who has a contaminant in their organization, but they just heard what you said and they said, I, I think I can fix it if I just take a little more time. All right. I would say you're probably new to this material, this model, and I get it. So let's give you a pass there. Try it one more time, but tell somebody, three people in your life ahead of time, I'm going to give this person one more chance. I'm going to protect my assets because they might be dangerous. And, and you, you three people hold me to it that if I give him the chance and he is exploitative or deceptive in any way, white lies versus dark lies, I am committed to you guys he's out because you won't be strong enough to do it until you have that kind of accountability. Love it. Okay, so we've talked about seven kind of people, kinds of people. Sometimes there's too many on the, let's call it bottom of the equation. People are bottom heavy. There's too many care chronic contaminant people in their lives. What would you say to those folks who seem to be, oh, what would I say? 
they have a misaligned understanding of caring for people and they're allowing toxic people instead of caring people in their life. Right. Well, the first thought most, most leaders have is, I got to prune this stuff back because I don't want to be bottom heavy. But that's not where you start because the reason you're bottom heavy is because you're, you're top light. You got to start there first. You don't have enough of the right people feel inside you to withstand the hard decisions, to prune back, to deal with your guilt or your fear of conflict or you feel like being a bad guy. So you've got to get those coaches in your life aligned up. You've got to get that, that, that those comrades will say, we'll be your Aaron and hers for you if you're a Moses and hold you up while you make some hard pruning decisions. Don't start pruning until you get the first two set. And uh, how would you, what would you say to people who say, oh, I, I don't, I don't know how to, how to be a friend, how to be a comrade, how to, how to be in, in these healthy relationships. Would you have some advice for them as to how to go about finding more comrades, more coaches, more casuals? Well, coaches, I always talk about go to referral sources. Who do you trust in the world? Because you don't want to just go in the yellow pages. Wait a minute. What is the yellow pages? I'm not sure that exists anymore. But you don't want to just kind of go online and look for somebody. You got to go to people you trust in business and say, well, who do you hear that's good at X, Y, Z? So go to referral sources. Comrades, look around in your circles and find the people. In the book, I talk about these different qualities. Um, but we, you and I kind of went over. They're, they're warm people, but they're truthful. They have integrity. They've got character. There's some chemistry there. They're not just like somebody you don't get along with. Look at the characteristics and think, how would it be to invite that person to go into growth at a deeper level? And then you have lunch with them and you'll find out. You'll take one little baby step of vulnerability, like my, one of my kids is struggling or business isn't doing great. We've got a supply chain issue or whatever. Our culture's not what it should be. Or, you know, not something major, but just a little baby step of vulnerability. And one of four things will happen. And that, that's when you'll know whether they can join what I would call your life team or not. One is they'll go, gosh, the weather is great here. Nice person, they can't go there. They're anxious about going deeper. Okay, not a life team person. Second group will go, okay, so I'm sorry your, 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 I'm sorry your, your kid's um, smoking dope. Uh, first thing you do is you read this book. Now, here's 14 verses. Now, are you hugging your kid? Are you disciplining your kid? Are you taking places? Are you on trips with them? Do you know who their friends are? And they become the advice monster because they're nervous too. They don't know how to help. Nice person, but probably not the life team. The third person says, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you had the victorious life. And why, what do you, if you're serious about your faith, why would you be struggling like this? They're judging and condemning. Forget that. The fourth person is, is the winner. They say, I had no idea that Susie was smoking dope. That is so scary. How's it feel? Can I pray for you? Um, tell me more about it. And they move toward your pain. They move toward your well of pain. And then you think, this might be a person. And after some a few more lunches and you feel like they can be open and you can be open. Then you just say, I'm getting really serious about personal growth these days. And I'd like for us to meet every couple of weeks and have this kind of conversations. And when I do that with a CEO, he or she'll come back and say, it took me a few months to get five of those people. And they all said, I don't have this either. All I've got is God and my spouse and my dog. I can't go there with anybody else but I do now because of these five people and it turned their lives around. Sweet. And that's what happens in the groups that you lead. And that's what happens in the groups uh, that are convened groups. 
these are places where people uh, find friends, they find comrades, they find help, and they work together to um, solve problems, go deeper in Christ, and and be real friends. So uh, yeah, Greg, you to your point, the magic of the convene model structure is that it's, it's turnkey. It's built in for community. The people have all been vetted, and there's a structure there. So people come in, all of a sudden, you've got built-in people you can start opening up with and talking about business things, life things, God things, and it's built in for you. So it's, it's one of the easiest ways to enter that kind of world. Yes. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Convene, just look in the lower thirds at convenenow.com or give us a call. Uh, under the resource tab on the website, you'll find lots of things that we can help you with. But uh, John, I'd love you to talk about what's happening with your world in terms of the Townsend Institute and somebody listening may want to go further and find out more about the work you're doing. Talk about that. Yeah, we, we have, it's called the Townsend Institute of Leadership and Counseling, and it's a fully accredited uh, graduate school and fully online. And so what we've got is three programs. One program, you can get a credential or a master's in organizational leadership. One program, you get a credential or a master's in executive coaching and consulting if you want to be a coach. And one's a, a, a credential or a master's or a PhD in counseling. And so in all of these, a person can be running their business in full time because we tailor it to people who are working people. Um, and we're, now that we've been out there for long enough, uh, our people are getting great jobs, especially people who are like business people already in business. They want they may not want a master's, but they may want a credential just to add that skill set to whatever they do. Um, we've got lots and lots of people involved with us, like um, people that are, we call our fellows. Our fellows are people that have accomplished great things that are helping our students and talk to them. Uh, Patrick Lencioni, for example, just became a fellow of the Institute. Um, Henry Cloud, you know, Henry, the guy that I write with. Um, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Ken Blanchard. So we've got a lot of people who will come in from time to time and teach the students too. So we're getting a really good results from that. Uh, and so tell us about the website that people should go to. Yeah, it's kind of all under drtownsend.com, like drtownsend.com. Great. Thank you so much. Well, it has been a real treat to be with you. And uh, let's be in prayer that people who are listening to us don't just want to write seven C's down on a piece of paper, but if they have too many of the bad folks, they replace them with some good folks. And we are really grateful for you taking time today. Uh, you are one of those good people that I enjoy spending time with, and it's it's a joy. So thank you. Thank you, Greg.